you were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield, and I'm super excited to be seeking excellence with you, my friends. It's great to be with you today. And today, uh, we're going to be talking about spiritual excellence. But before we get into that, a few uh, uh, kind of rules for the road and and one, one thing I want to talk about. So first and foremost, I want to thank the people who have joined us on Locals. So if you've seen that, that's been in every podcast description of this year. And that's a new thing that I'm trying out. I have been uh, pretty pretty bad. I would say like I'd give myself like a D minus, very close to an F, but not an F uh, on, you know, doing things on locals that I've wanted to do. It's been really challenging with Exodus 90, trying to be less on my phone and things like that. Um, started off the first week of the year with Seek and then uh, Luna got spayed in the third week. The second week, I must have just sucked because I don't even know what big thing happened that would have like made me struggle. But one thing that is a blessing and a curse is I am done coaching basketball. We finished the season eight and four, uh, regular season eight and two, and then went 0 and two in the playoffs. It was pretty tough because we originally um, tried to play some good teams in the regular season. I don't think that really happened. And so when they put the tournament brackets together for playoffs, we were playing a much better team than we, we had any business playing. So um, we ended up in the highest bracket for playoffs and then lost by 20 in both the playoff games. So, you know, life is short and full of misery. And so these losses confirm that for me. Um, but no, it was a great season. We had a lot of fun and I'm glad that I got to do it. I had learned a lot about myself and how much I enjoyed coaching and yelling at um, uh, preteens. That's, that's what I, I have. I, it gives me a lot of joy to yell at preteens. Uh, to box out and to run the offense, to play help defense, things like that. Makes me really happy. Um, and so I learned that. And and had it not been for this opportunity, who who knows? I wouldn't have found that out until I was, you know, had until our son turns turns 12. So um, yeah, very blessed for that. But anyways, back to the locals. Thanks for those who have joined on locals. Thanks for the people who have supported the podcast. That's been super huge. Um, I think we're really close, if not almost there, to uh, covering the monthly costs of Seeking Excellence. And so that was our first goal. You know, my first thing that I said to you guys when I started talking about locals and giving people an opportunity to support the podcast, um, and people have been so generous and I've been so blessed and grateful for that. The first thing that I wanted to do was just cover the monthly costs. It's like, I'm not saying that I should be paid for doing this, but I at least think I shouldn't be paying and giving my time and energy to doing it. Um, and so I'm glad that it doesn't have to be a line item in our monthly budget for much longer. And so thank you for those who have given, uh, you can give for as low as $10 a month, or you can make a one-time gift of $10. Uh, anything really helps, um, to, to get us to that break even point, because I just got to a point this year where it's like, I'm not going to keep doing this, um, for, you know, losing money every month. It, it just, it didn't make a lot of sense for the time and energy and effort and money that it costs our family. And so, Thank you for doing that. Uh, for those who have gone on to support, I, I encourage you, if that's something that you've considered doing in the past for Seeking Excellence, uh, that now you can go do it. You can click the link. You can go to seekingexcellence.locals.com and um, at a minimum, join us on there for free. This is where I want to have a lot of our discussions. If you remember me talking about it in the past, um, 
a lot of the the stories and rants that I go on on social media are awesome, but I get into conversations and DMs and I'm like, I want all of us to collectively be able to have these conversations and that's the place for it. I think it's the best place for it. So um, check that out. And then, uh, yeah, I'll be writing more reflections, Exodus 90 reflections, a few things already up there, things that encourage you to pray with, a little bit more kind of um, going on about whatever I'm podcasting about that week, whatever topic it may be. And I'm going to start doing more like blog type content um, and still hope to write the book. And I think I'm going to make each chapter and parts of chapters blogs that I will post on Locals. And that's where I'm going to get the big, the biggest feedback from people of, uh, what do you think? Am I on the money? Are you liking this? Or like, what, do you, what are your thoughts? So those are going to be kind of my inner circle uh, helpers when it comes to all things content and futures of Seeking Excellence. So shout out to everybody who's been uh, helping and who has chosen to support. Really means a lot. I'm super grateful for it. And yeah, you guys are awesome. Now today, uh, we're talking about spiritual excellence. So this is our fourth in this series. I was originally going to do physical next, but I really wanted to do this spiritual episode. And so we kind of swapped it around, which is why we had Father Sean on Monday. I'm late doing this. I'm recording this on Monday, January 23rd. So couldn't release it on Monday, January 23rd. So I just switched the guests and solo one this week. Um, but his was kind of to kind of go along with this. Now, it was technically to come after it. And so it only mildly effed it up, but it's not that big of a deal. Okay, get over yourself. Um, it'll still make sense. One thing that's tough about this, talking about spiritual excellence is a challenge, right? So it, it kind of, uh, I don't want to give the impression that I think I am spiritually excellent or that I'm constantly at this place that I've crossed the finish line for this because that's the opposite of what spiritual excellence is about. It's about having uh, targets and a specific lifestyle, certain benchmarks that you're reaching to complete that are ever elusive. Some, some you'll check off, right? But some are just constantly evading you, right? Or you hit them and then you have to keep striving to continue to hit them week after week, month after month, year after year. So um, I just kind of want to say that up front, all right? I'm not trying to say that I am spiritually superior to anybody else. I just think that one of the biggest things for me in talking about this, and we're going to get into uh, you know, the practicals of this, of course, but I, I think the Catholic Church really fails people in a lot of ways because, um, not the Catholic Church, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. I always have to be careful with this. I think that the way that we frame Catholicism as the evangelists and teachers of the faith today, the people of the church, we can fail people sometimes because, and ourselves, because we don't have standards and, and we've kind of laxed the standards that shouldn't be laxed. And we also have not given people a standard or uh, a set of, of goals to really strive towards, right? So it's kind of like, yeah, you're Catholic. What does that really mean? This is why I think we have so much cultural Catholicism. We've been so afraid of telling people that there are standards and expectations. And then you see some of these non-denominational churches where it's like, okay, on the Catholic side, do I have to do this? Do I have to do that? Like, what do I have to do to to go to heaven. What do I have to do to be a great saint? And it's like, yeah, we give some tips to that, but I don't think we really give the fullness of it. Okay. So that's one of my first things. My second thing is that, you know, in my humble opinion, spiritual excellence really is seeking excellence. I think that your spirit is really, you know, your soul, when it comes to taking care of your soul, the way you take care of your mind, the way you take care of your body, the way you take care of your finances, the, the efforts you put into to your professional life, all of those things stem from virtues, right? They're the antithesis virtues to the seven deadly sins, right? So if you think about sloth, anger, pride, lust, right? Like all of these things, gluttony um, will, will detract from your seeking excellence. And so it's, it's very, they're very intertwined, um, your love for excellence, your love for holiness, because I think that they're, they're one and the same, right? Um, obviously, people in the past have had different takes on what excellence looked like. You think about Aristotle or Socrates, different religions, um, and that's great. You can see excellence in a specific thing, but when we're talking about excellence in life, you can't do that without spiritual excellence, and uh, you're not really going to be excellent in any of the other areas without some of that spiritual excellence being intact. So that's kind of my second thing. The third thing I wanted to share before we get started into the practical side is uh, I shared at the very beginning, if you listen to episode one, what's the best way to live? It's not episode one. It's like episode 191. I don't know why I said episode one, but the first one of the year, first one in the series, which I encourage you to start with, 
if you're just tuning in. But in that one, I shared that I was going to share three things throughout this series, right? And that was church teaching, facts, and personal opinions. This one's going to be a mix of the two, but I'm going to be very specific when I talk about church teaching. If I don't say that I'm sharing church teaching or cite some like super resource, then just assume I'm talking about opinion, okay? Because um, I'm going to opine a lot in this episode. I'm going to talk about a lot of opinions, and you can disagree with it. I think that one of the main things that's important to understand about spiritual excellence is that it ebbs and flows, and it changes and it molds to certain ways of life, right? Spiritual excellence for Father Meyer, who's a priest, and for myself as a married man, or for a college kid who's single, is going to look very different, right? The, the way that we practice our faith and we live our lives, our responsibilities, the things that we have to steward are very different. And so uh, spiritual excellence, it, it's going to vary, right? But what I want to try to do today is to give you some type of guide that you can start to create a minimum for yourself and then create what you consider a level of excellence for yourself. And once you have that, then at least you have an understanding of, okay, I'm currently below the minimum. Um, and below the minimum generally means I'm not tracking towards heaven. And so we'll talk about what that looks like. Um, and then above the minimum, right? You're seeking, you're striving for excellence in this realm and in your life in general, you're thinking, okay, I'm pretty close to that, or I'm kind of ebbing and flowing. I'm kind of, I'm kind of on a downturn for this. Uh, I need to really emphasize the focus on this area of my spiritual life, et cetera. Okay. It kind of helps you to have a map, right? Um, one thing that Aristotle talks about is that virtue is like a target and you have to know what you're aiming at. And we don't give people anything to aim at. The main thing that you you hear when you go to conferences and stuff, especially if you're a man, is you just hear all this shit that you shouldn't do, right? It's just constantly like, what should I not do? You should not have sex before you're married. You should not watch pornography. You should not do this. You should not do that. It's kind of like the Ten Commandments, right? And it's like, that's good. That's helpful. The Ten Commandments are great. I'm not here to bash the Ten Commandments, right? Far be it from me, Lord. Um, but Jesus, in his fulfillment, goes beyond that, right? Jesus doesn't just talk about what we should not do. He tells us what we should do. And so that's what we want to talk about and really try to fit this. It's not trying to modernize it in a sense of making it progressive, woke, and just freaking lame, um, but rather it's trying to modernize it and fit it towards our modern lifestyle, our modern conveniences, mainly our modern um, comforts, and, and think about ways that we can kind of combat those things and that we can use them to our advantage, right? So there's times where we have to combat those comforts and there's times where we have to use it to our advantage, which is why you're going to hear me call you to a higher standard when it comes to going to daily mass than somebody who lived, you know, 1500 years ago, right? Like you had early Christians who really couldn't go to mass for a year at a time, right? Because they didn't have priests or whatever it might be. But we have we have it so easy. So this is going to be mainly focused on the the modern Western world, as most of what I share is, right? So a lot of the Seeking Excellence stuff I talk about does not apply to every single person in the world. But it will apply to most people in the modern-day Western world. Also, last thing, I don't want to say last thing, we've already started. Um, and I can say whatever I want, whenever I want. It's my podcast, right? That's the beauty of it. This has been super fun uh, this year. Let me pull up some of these numbers because we have uh, a full 9% of Seeking Excellence listeners are not in the U.S. So I just want to give a shout out. I don't know who you are, but my international homies, what is good? Welcome to the podcast. Please join locals if you're international. That makes me even happier. Um even though obviously America is the most superior country in the world, it is great to have people from around the world listening to the podcast. You guys know that I love you. And um, yeah, would love to get a message from some of you guys too. A full 3% of our listeners from Australia and then 2% in Canada. So, um, and then the rest are just spread out with like a bunch of different countries. Not a large listening in China, believe it or not. Um, I'm surprised it's not like banned in China. It's probably just not big enough to be banned. Uh, but another fun thing is we hit 100,000 plays on the podcast all the time, which was really, really fun. And we often have strong starts to the year, but this year has been uh, especially strong. So uh, broke the most plays in a month already and really excited to see what happens this month. So keep listening, keep sharing, keep reviewing. If you're going to leave positive reviews so you don't hurt my feelings um, and join us on Locals. All right. So spiritual excellence. Let's dive into this. The first time that I came across any type of standard for what it really meant to be Catholic other than kind of the vague notions and a bunch of random stuff that I had gotten when I was younger, 
um, was four signs of a dynamic Catholic, right? Uh, so Matthew Kelly wrote this great book called Four Signs of a Dynamic Catholic, how engaging 1% of the Catholics in the world could change the world. Um, I just kind of butchered that subtitle. That's not actually the subtitle. The subtitle is actually how engaging 1% of Catholics could change the world. I added in like six more words. So hopefully I don't get like copyright infringement or something like that. But um, good old Matty Kell, man, he wrote this great book. I read it in college and I was like, dude, finally, somebody gives me something to aim at. Now, this I think is going to be a combination of both uh, excellence and minimums, right? This is kind of the danger of this book, I think, when uh, interpreted the wrong way. And I'm not saying that this is what Mr. Kelly meant when writing it, but I, I just kind of recently have kind of realized like there's there's a slight problem with this. And so um, before before I get into that, my kind of my kind of thought with what that means is. When, when, you, when you meet somebody and they tell you that they're Catholic, theoretically, this should mean something, right? And what I mean by that is that when somebody tells you that they're Catholic, there should be certain beliefs, there should be certain uh, attributes, there should be certain lifestyle things that you assume about them, that you could assume about them. And oftentimes we can't today. So when someone says that they're Catholic... And you've heard me talk about this before if you've been around all of last year where I really hit on this, of what does it mean to be Catholic? Can you be not Catholic if you're baptized? Like, are you Catholic for life? You, you, if you know me, you know I hate that. I hate this idea that you are just, if you're baptized Catholic, sorry, buddy, you're Catholic forever. It's like technically, yes, but to me, to be Catholic, my quick overview recap, is to be a member of the Catholic Church, which is the Universal Catholic Church, which is actually something. It is the actual body of Christ here on earth. It is a living organism. It is uh, an organization, but much more than that, right? It is a spiritual body of uh, heavenly reality, right? We are the physical body of Christ. And you can cut yourself off and separate yourself from that via excommunication, which can be done either officially by the church, or you can kind of self-excommunicate as well. In a certain sense, mortal sin cuts us off from the body of Christ, uh, but really doesn't cut us off fully, I would say, to the point of excommunication. That's a different thing. But you can intentionally, living in mortal sin, choosing not to be a member of the Catholic Church, I think cut yourself off so much from the body of Christ that you no longer really are Catholic. But what does it mean when somebody says that they're Catholic? It should mean something, right? I should be able to assume, if you're Catholic, that you're not going to be at a, uh, a Pride Month rally, right? I should be able to assume that you're not pro-abortion. I should be able to assume that you uh, go to Mass on Sunday at a minimum. Right, that you at least at least really try to go to mass on Sundays, that you go to confession once a year. Right, so now I'm starting to get into some of those minimums. Right, that you are actually practicing your faith in some capacity. Um, that's what it should mean, right? When somebody tells you that they're Catholic, unfortunately, we have the majority of people out there who've been baptized Catholic. They violate some major tenet of of basic Catholicism, right? And so this is kind of the danger of four signs of a dynamic Catholic is that it puts that, that descriptor of dynamic on when it should just be, in my opinion, four signs of a Catholic. But we don't like to be divisive. And I get that. And, and dynamic Catholic definitely doesn't like to be divisive. I, I've worked there. There's great people there. They don't like to be divisive. I'll just leave it at that. So these four signs, prayer, study, generosity, evangelization, evangelization are really great. And I think they're a great kind of baseline of something. I think that these four signs are both the minimums and the categories that can be used for levels of excellence, right? So prayer. At a minimum, you should be praying 10 minutes a day, right? That should be our absolute bare minimum as Catholics. That should be our commitment. Study. At a minimum, we should know a certain number of things when it comes to understanding the faith. And we should be generally learning more year over year so that 10 years from now, I'm not more ignorant of the faith than I am right now, right? That should just be basic Catholicism. That shouldn't be a dynamic Catholic. That should just be a Catholic. Generosity. Yeah, you should be tithing and giving and generous, generally speaking, to be a Catholic. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. Evangelizing. The Great Commission, the last thing Jesus told us before he ascended into heaven was, yo, go tell people about this. And so to me, if you're just like straight up not doing that, you're like not really, you're just like not really that Catholic. You know what I mean? Like, And it's not about being more or less Catholic, but 
Catholic is just like the minimum, right? And then you have like, oh, you're I'm being a great Catholic or I'm being a mediocre Catholic or I'm being a bad Catholic. But I almost think that there's a certain level where you get to a bad Catholic where you're just not even that thing anymore, right? Like you're just, it's like if you're like a, a basketball player, right? Like you can be in the league and you can, anybody can sign up. Anybody can be in the league. It's like Catholic sports endeavor. Anybody can sign up. But if I just stop going to the games and don't practice or do any, like if I just don't play basketball anymore, I'm just, I'm just not a basketball player, right? Like it's not a bad one. I'm not a good one. I'm just not one. I'm, I'm graded on something else, right? Now I'm graded amongst non-basketball players. But we're going to talk through some of these, and I also want to add a, a few things into them. So I'm going to go through these four signs, and we'll kind of talk about some, some basements and ceilings. Um, there really is no ceiling, but you know what I'm saying, the kind of like standard of excellence for them that, that I try to live by or think of at least for myself, not live by meaning that I am constantly striving for them, but live by that I say that that's a level of excellence for myself. Um, but then there's also some other ones. So let's think about the other kind of basics. Um, actually, no, we'll get to those when we come to study. Okay. So for prayer, minimum 10 to 15 minutes on, on this slide, I'm, I'm going back again to my oblates uh, of Mary Immaculate uh, thing that I did. And we are looking at uh, those slides is kind of what I'm using. So this great quote from St. Peter, Julian Imard, have confidence in prayer. It is the unfailing power which God has given us. By means of it, you will obtain the salvation of the dear souls whom God has given you and all your loved ones. Ask and you shall receive, said our Lord. Be yourself with the good Lord. 10 to 15 minutes of prayer a day, every day. Obviously, you're going to have days that you don't miss that. That doesn't mean that you're not a Catholic if you miss that. But if, if there's no time carved in your life to pray at all, how, how are you even attempting to practice your faith? Now, for me, I say excellence is anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes. I say that I'm at my peak of excellence, at least that I've ever been so far. There's obviously much more to dive into if you read St. Teresa of Avila and some of these great saints and their closeness with the Lord is pretty incredible. Um, you, you can... Uh, or my level, my highest level that I've been at and that I think that I strive for, even though I'm pretty far off from it right now, is being able to go into a holy hour in adoration or in front of the Blessed Sacrament in the tabernacle and pray for an hour with nothing. So I got to this point a few times in college when I really had a lot of time for prayer. When I could just spend an hour in mental prayer with the Lord, that was like my highest level of like, all right, dude, I'm like a 10 right now for me in my current state of life. So again, this is going to be very vocation dependent, right? If you're a parent or something like that, it's going to be a lot more difficult for you to get 45 minutes of prayer in a day. There's no doubt about it, but everybody needs 15 minutes. I'll never forget. Um, Father Mike shared this in my favorite talk he's ever given, which is telling the story of God's love. I think is what you can Google on YouTube. If you want to watch it, he said he had, I can't remember if it was somebody who came up to him or it was another, or it, was, it was like a saint in the past um, that a, a father came up to him and was like, Father, do I really have to pray an hour for every single day? And he said, No, you don't have to pray for an hour every day if you're okay with being a mediocre father. If you want to be a great dad, if you want to be a good father, yes, you have to pray for an hour a day. But if you're okay with being a mediocre father, no, you do not have to pray for an hour a day. So you tell me who's right. I don't know. You or that saint or Father Mike. But uh, I generally allow Father Mike to trump me in, in our um, non-existent debates. And so, yeah, consistency, you want to be praying every day. There's a certain time aspect to that, of course. And then having a variety. So this is another thing I share a lot of times in my Hallow sales calls. Is uh, And one thing that I think Hallow excels at, and obviously great time to get a, give a Hallow plug, we'll include our three-month free trial link in the descriptor below or in the description for this episode. Also a great time to start the three-month free trial because of the fact that Lent is coming soon and Lent is going to be super baller for Hallow this year. Having variety is really important. Um, Father Mike also once said that um, variety in prayer, the different forms of praying, are like the five love languages and that God has all five love languages and we ought to be able to love Him through every one of those, right? And be able to communicate and spend time with Him in all these different ways that He's given us through the church. But there's often going to be one or two types of prayers, prayer 
that are that speak to us in a more powerful way. That's what makes them kind of like the five love languages, right? We have to know how to do them all. There's often going to be one specific type that's going to be really appealing to us and really a special way that we connect with God. And so some of those different variety types of prayer are Lectio Divina or reading scripture, praying with scripture, the rosary, mental prayer, spiritual reading, devotions, daily mass, journaling. Um, and I'm probably missing more. You can think of like Jesuit Ignatian spirituality, like the examine, uh, the Divine Mercy Chaplet, right? There's so many different things. And so we as Catholics, our goal should be over time to be proficient in all of those. Because how do I know which one my children are going to be more drawn to? And how am I going to prepare them and teach them how to pray in a way that's going to be powerful for them if I don't know how to do each one? Okay, so the kids are always a great example for this. So think about prayer in that way. Uh, You know, when you're busy and you're thinking about, oh, I don't have time. I don't really know if I have time to pray. Mother Teresa was extremely busy. She had her sisters coming up to her and complaining that they didn't have enough time to pray their holy hour every day and get all the work done that that she had them doing. And she said, okay, I think you're right. I think we need to pray for two holy hours a day because we're so busy. And so that was that's how the saints approach prayer. That's how the saints respond to busyness. That's how the saints look at these things. And so this is, I mean, talking about prayer is really convicting for me. I try to get to, um, speaking on prayer, I try to get to a holy hour every week with Emily. Um, and I mean, literally in our first year of marriage, we're like 10 months in. And I bet you we've done it like six times. Okay. Um, and so it's just, I mean, it's tough. Like this last, we do it on Wednesdays. That's when our parish has adoration. There's another adoration chapel close by. They were closed on the Monday and Tuesday before that. Wednesday, we had a huge snowstorm, so we canceled adoration. And it's little things like that that when you're trying to start a new habit, really get in the way, right? So it was my second week of Exodus 90. It's a big thing for me in Exodus 90 to do a weekly holy hour in adoration. And ideally with my wife. And so we did the first week, crush it. It was awesome. Second week comes around. Closing, closing, closing. Three straight days of adoration chapels around us closed. And I'm like, okay, here you go. This is where, now this week, to bring it back, this is where it's easy to fall apart. This is where it's easy to fall off. And so this may have happened to you with prayer time, maybe a family emergency or work, you had to work late or you had to work early or whatever it is. But I encourage you to create some type of habit around it and and figure it out that you can make it happen every day. Even if some days it ends up being listening to Hallow while you're driving in the car, intentionally not listening to music and talking to God about your day while you're driving in the car, but figuring out something you can do. And so Emily and I tried to do this. You can also think about prayer in your relationship. What does is, what is greatness look like? For us, we pray in the morning. At minimum, is only like five of our 10 or 15 minutes of prayer time is together. And that prayer time will include typically some freestyle prayer from me, uh, her as well if she wants to join in, but at a minimum comes from me. And then uh, we pray in Our Father, we pray to Angelus, and we pray, pray a Glory Be. And then I usually pick something else where I'll do like a scripture passage. Today we read some Matthew 20, a great parable from Matthew 20, um, the workers, the laborers in the vineyard. And then some days we'll read like the consecration of St. Joseph, Litany of St. Joseph. Um, I'll read something that we're like learning. We'll like go over the spiritual or corporal works of mercy or like the Beatitudes, something we're trying to like just kind of nail in and and remember something that's like key to our faith. And then excellence for us could be doing that plus the rosary, divine mercy chaplet or the holy hour once a week, things like that. Right. So you can kind of think for yourself, like what's my level? Cause this is what's really going to matter when you're coming to the end of the week and you're doing your weekly review and your yearly review. It's just like when you have this idea of your minimums and your excellence, um, then you can kind of actually gauge where you're at from one to 10. All right, so let's turn to study. So study is such an important one, and it's it's very often overlooked. And so my four kind of pillars or, or categories of study are studying the fundamentals, apologetics, scripture, and the catechism. This year, it's obviously really great if you're doing the catechism in a year. I've been listening to it every day um, and have really enjoyed it. I like reading the catechism. I'm kind of a nerd, as you know. Um, when it comes to learning things and not being dumb, that's kind of my main motivation for so much is I just really don't like dumb adults and I never wanted to be one. And so I was just like, yo, what if, what if I was like, what if I was smart though? You know what I mean? And so I wanted to know things because I just knew so many people who don't know shit. And it's like, why would you want to be a grown adult in the information age with access to all these things and so much time we work less hours 
have access to more conveniences and comforts, and yet we're dumber than people in the past, and that just doesn't make sense. And yet we have the audacity to act like we're more enlightened and smarter. That's brutal. All right, so I want to read to you from my trusty uh, Roman Catholic Daily Missal from 1962. And we're going to talk about, um, it's actually a, a quote here from, it's kind of the middle, it's not actually the end. But there's this section at the beginning that it, you've heard me read from before that is the uh, that is really awesome. It's the most necessary prayers. It starts with the sign of the cross, then the Lord's Prayer, then the angelic salutation, also known as the Hail Mary, then the Apostles' Creed, the Glory Be, and then uh, the Confiteor, which is the confession, basically, um, that we kind of recite at Mass. I confess to Almighty God. And to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned. This is the old version of it, but alas. Here it also says this. I don't know why it's kind of in the middle. I just kind of realized for the first time that it's in the middle. But I love this. So listen to this. This goes to show the importance of study and, and really reinforces what I've said I believe about study is not a nice to have to be a Catholic. It's a need to have, um, especially today. You can make the argument when people were illiterate, when people couldn't read or when there was no printing press, that yes, like maybe study of the faith is not um, a thing of, uh, maybe it's a thing of excellence and not a necessity. Um, but even those people knew a lot more about the faith than we do. They know a lot more about God than we do. And so, I mean, you think about the Jews back in Jesus' time, like those boys knew the Torah. They knew scripture very, very deeply. Here was a quote from the Missal. Among the truths which faith teaches us, there are several which we all ought to know and to believe explicitly. Namely, the existence of one God, the mystery of the Holy Trinity, the mystery of the redemption of mankind by the incarnation and death of Jesus Christ, and the future state of reward and punishment. Now, I want to pause there. This is something that is so important. Okay. You, you'll you'll see here. Obviously, this is a Catholic book, but it, they're gonna the next the next paragraph starts with there are things which every Catholic is also bound to know. That first paragraph doesn't say anything about being Catholic. Okay, so this is where you get into this debate with people who are whether they're Jewish, Muslim, Mormons, right? Is this idea that like this kind of stuff is optional? Um, we believe as Catholics, the, the Church believes. As you can see here, that these things are necessary for salvation. Now, can you be saved outside of believing these things? Yes, but we say that it's the exception, not the rule. It's not something you should bank on. So understand again, this is something which all ought to know and believe explicitly. That there is one God. That there is the mystery of the Holy Trinity. The mystery of the redemption of mankind through the incarnation and death of Jesus and the future state of reward and punishment. That means the belief in heaven and hell. That's, uh, those are really, really important things for all people to believe. Those are the basic things you can evangelize and share with the world if people don't believe that or don't know that. And to, to think that, oh, but they're a really good person, and they're just Gucci, and they don't believe those things, and that you think they're just fast-tracking to heaven, it's not the move. Okay, now let's go on to things that every Catholic is bound to know. This is in the second paragraph. It says, There are things which every Catholic is also bound to know by the express command either of God or of the church. These things are... Sorry, I needed a drink. These things are, number one, the three most ordinary Catholic prayers, namely the Lord's Prayer, the Hail Mary, and the Apostles' Creed, and also, at least in substance, number two, the commandments of God, so the Ten Commandments, and kind of God's commandments in general. Number three, the precepts of the church. Number four, the doctrine of the sacraments, and especially of the these three which are necessary to everyone, namely baptism, penance, and the Holy Eucharist. The duties, and number five, the duties and obligations of one's state of life. Listen to this. It is a mortal sin for a Catholic to be ignorant of these things if it be through his own willfulness, willfulness or neglect. So this is saying that you have to know the three ordinary prayers, the, Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the Apostles' Creed. I would guarantee that many of us would mess up the Apostles' Creed 
um, if you're not regularly praying the rosary or uh, the Divine Mercy Chaplet, because it's different than the Nicene Creed, which we say at Mass. Number two, the commandments of God. So knowing the Ten Commandments, at least generally speaking, there is no reason why four-year-old Protestant kids in, in daycare are memorizing the Ten Commandments and you at 30 don't know them. There's just... There's no, there's no good answer for that, right? That discrepancy there, that difference between you and the toddler, th- there's no good reason for it. Number three, the precepts of the church, which we can go over here in a second. And then the doctrine of the sacraments. So do you know the seven sacraments? Can you at least name those? Um, and then the doctrine of them, why we do them, what, what it means, what they are. Um, and then especially the three that are most necessary, baptism, confession, and the Eucharist. And then the duties and obligations of one state of life. And then it says it's a mortal sin for you to not know those. That's a pretty freaking big deal, friends. That's a pretty big deal. All right. Now let's jump ahead to the precepts of the church, because this is what I said I wanted to talk about and kind of go deeper into this, because I want you to understand that these are what the church says are the basics. So this is going to be at the actual end of this thing, if I remember correctly, at the end of this like section in the book. I didn't uh, mark this off first, so forgive me my sins. Okay. Um, no, that's not where it is. I can't find it. Give me one second. So um, the one thing I think is really important there, it's a mortal sin for you to know this, whether w- through willfulness or neglect. Now, what does that mean? Willfulness means that you are intentionally not knowing these things, right? Like you're intentionally not knowing them. Now, when would you say that you've been willfully ignorant, right? When have you actually been trying to, to not know something, right? Or, or neglect, you know? So willfulness, I think, is a little bit harder to prove. But neglect, if you're just neglecting and choosing to not learn about your faith, this is what I'm talking about. This is where I get this from, that, that you're actively not being a Catholic. That if you just don't care to study and know about the faith, then you're just not being Catholic. And so you should know the six precepts of the church, but the six precepts of the church are also things that are mortal sins to not, from my understanding, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, that there are mortal sins to not do these things. Um, I know some of them explicitly are, but I think all of them are, if I'm not wrong. Okay, so the six precepts of the church, to hear Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation, right? That means just to be there, to hear Mass. Doesn't mean you have to receive communion or be in a state of grace, but you have to at least go to Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation. This is why it's like so sad when you see people that are like, oh, don't pressure people. Or we got so soft in the U.S. and we started making like holy days that are on Fridays or Monday. We just like, oh, it's just tied into Sunday. You don't have to go twice. I think it's such BS, but alas, I'm not a bishop. Number two, to fast and abstain on the days commanded. That's literally like two days a year. It used to be every Friday we couldn't eat meat. Now it's like Ash Wednesday and Good Friday um, to not eat meat and to have two small meals and one big meal. Um, and then on, uh, every Friday during Lent, obviously to not have meat. It's, that's super easy. It's, it's pretty simple. So this is what I'm saying. Like, these are some of the basics, right? We're called to fast and pray and do that stuff throughout the year. We're not supposed to only do it when we're told to. This is why I say these are the minimum things to confess our sins at least once a year. That's number three. So you have to go to confession at least once a year, which is a ridiculously low amount of time. That's like 30 minutes. If you count, if you include drive time and you get there early, that's a half an hour experience that the church demands of you once a year. This is what I mean that you're you're just being a scrub if you can't do that once a year. That's absolutely buns. All right, so number four, to receive the Blessed Eucharist at Easter or within the time appointed. Okay, so that means that we need to go to confession if we're just living a reckless life. Um, before Easter, this is a great time to go, and then to stay out of mortal sin so that we can receive the Eucharist at Easter. To contribute, number five, to contribute to the support of our pastors. This is basically tithing, generosity. You have to give to your parish. This is the problem with so many young people who don't actually join a parish because they often don't actually tithe and contribute to any parish. And this is a whole other episode that I want to do on basically this like mindset of socialism and just receiving without giving that we have and that I hate. Um, but exists among so many young people. We're so socialist in so many ways that we approach the church. It's super trash. And that's that's just not the move. So if you're not tithing at all, this doesn't even say to give 10%, but you can't give nothing. You can't go the whole damn year and go to mass, jumping around at different parishes and not give to any of the parishes. 
you don't even have to join a parish to do that, but you at least have to start carrying some cash with you so you can give money to, to, a, to a parish that you go to on Sunday. Then number six is to not solemnize marriage at the forbidden times, nor to marry persons with the forbidden degrees of kindred or otherwise permitted, prohibited by the church, nor secretly. All right, so that kind of gives you some of the, the concept of study, right? What does this really mean to have this idea of study? All of those things are kind of what I talked about in that first kind of subcategory of study, which is the fundamentals. Do you know the seven sacraments? Do you know the Ten Commandments? Do you understand generally why we do what we do? Do you know the most basic prayers? Do you know um, how to do the act of contrition, how to go to confession? Do you know how um, to pray the rosary, right? Like learning how to do these things. The next level, I think, is apologetics. I, I shouldn't say level, but the next category is apologetics. Um, and this kind of runs with Scripture and the Catechism anyways, because if you know the Catechism and you know Scripture well, you're honestly going to probably be pretty good at apologetics. But apologetics are basically the ability to defend the faith, to be able to explain and defend the faith, to be able to teach the faith to somebody else. I know, I know, everybody loves that quote. Sorry, I need a lot of water today. My throat's really dry. Everybody loves the quote that you should preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Well, guess what? Sometimes it's necessary to use words. I often describe it, um, and you you will hear me describe it. I described it really well with my episode with Chris Quinn, which is coming out in the next like month or so. But I basically said that your example and your joy wins people over. So they come, they come, or no, this that was something else I was talking about in that episode. But I think that your joy and your example can win people over up front. And then apologetics and your ability to explain why we believe what we believe is the next step to that. And so, yes, your example, the way you live your life, the way you love and forgive and you're patient and you don't get angry and you're, or you're not quick to anger and you're controlled and self-controlled and disciplined and holy and just good, right? And, and people can see that in your eyes. They can see that when they interact with you and the way you treat people from the CEO down to the janitor, right? Um, that can win people over and that can definitely start the conversation. And it's the most beautiful way to win people over and the most beautiful way to start the conversation, right? Is letting the love and the light of God shine through you. But then oftentimes they're going to be like, but why do you worship Mary? Why do you hate gay people? Why do you have to have to go to a priest and can't just pray to God? You're going to get these kind of common questions that Protestants, fallen away Catholics, or um, non-religious people are going to ask. And I don't think that it's just or fair, or right for you to be like, oh, I don't know all that stuff. You should have to ask a priest, or you need to read this book, or you need to learn the shit, dog. Learn it so you can explain it to somebody else. Stop being so selfish and lazy that you can't take time to actually learn something. This is something that I, I take a lot of pride in. Um, I guess, I don't know if pride's bad. Maybe that's anti-spiritual excellence. But I, I am really grateful that so, many, so often when I talk about these things, or when I get invited to speak and stuff, that people will be like, well, do you have a theology degree? Like, have you gotten a theology degree? I didn't know you majored in theology. And I'm like, no, I didn't. I just read about this stuff and learn about it and listen to podcasts about it and YouTube and all this stuff very, very often. And I'm still very far from where I'd like to be in understanding and knowing all these different things. But I remember, I'll never forget this. I went to this uh, interview when I was getting out of the army for a youth ministry position, um, which praise God, I didn't go into youth ministry. Um, but youth ministry is great. I think it's wonderful. I just am glad I didn't do it. Uh, but I went and there was this DRE, this director of religious education at a parish. And she was such a turd, man. She was being so difficult to me. She was trying to flex on me. She was like in the process of getting her master's in theology. And she's like, you don't even have a theology degree. How are you going to know anything? And this is me like coming out of the army. So this is not even like me having worked in a church now for several years, but I, Oh my gosh, I was so tight. And I was like, I was like, yeah, no, I don't have a theology degree, but I, I, I really care about this stuff and I learn about it and I'm Catholic. Like I, I take this ish seriously. Right. So I'm like, ask, ask me a question, ask me a couple questions. I was like, I bet you I could go toe to toe. I'm like, I can, I can keep up with you. Someone who's getting a master's, right. Cause you're just going to be deeper in certain topics for sure than I am. I was like, but anybody, I, I was 26 at this point or 25, about to be 26 had graduated college four years ago. And I said, anybody who got a theology degree that is now four years out of college, especially if they have not been working in ministry or teaching the faith, I was like, I, I bet you I could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them 
in my knowledge of theology. And she's like, no way. And I'm like, ask, ask me something. I'm like, what's, ask me a couple questions you think a, a confused and doubting, questioning teenager would come and ask. She asked me about contraception and about gay marriage or something like that. And I just crushed it. And she was like, damn, that was pretty good. And I'm like, yeah, I know my lady. Um, but that's that's how we should all strive to be, right? Why? Not not so we can dunk on, uh, you know, posterize some grumpy Karen DRE, but rather, my friends, rather brethren, so that when we're on an airplane, we're on a flight, or when we're with our, our nieces and nephews or our cousins or our friends from high school, and they bring up, why do you do this? Or why do we believe that? Or Catholics are this way. You can say, no, this is what the church teaches. This is why we believe that. This this aunt, whatever your name is, or cousin Jeff, or whatever, is why you can't receive mass at our wedding. It's not because uh, we hate Protestants, but because of this. Right? We can explain those things. And that's why we have to have knowledge of Scripture I just listened to, you know, if you listen to Catechism in Year, Father Mike just talked about this recently. The great saying from, uh, I want to say it was St. Jerome. If I'm right, you got to admit that I'm pretty dope because that's like out of hundreds of saints that I just guessed this. But I, I think it was St. Jerome. I'm pro- There's like a 50-50 chance I'm wrong. Uh, 51% chance I'm right because I'm usually right. Uh, St. Jerome said, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. Right? So... If we don't know, if we're not reading God's word, how can we say we really want to get to know God? Doesn't make much sense, does it? Catechism is a gift that we have that most saints throughout history did not have. And so we ought to use it and utilize it. And when we have questions and doubts or we're asked questions we don't know the answer to, we shouldn't just be satisfied in our ignorance. We should seek out the knowledge and wisdom that will be able to answer that question in the future. All right, number four, generosity. Time. These are the subcategories, time, money, talent, virtue. Okay. So you have to be generous with all these different things. Um, This is a great quote from St. Francis of Assisi here. Remember that when you leave this earth, you can take nothing with you that you have received, only what you have given. The deeds you do may only, may be the only sermon someone will hear today. And so that tells you about what you give in your money and in your time, Right. I want to talk about these things. So I'm going to obviously hit on tithing a little bit more deeply and intentionally in uh, financial excellence, but it matters here too, right? You read, you heard me talk about the six precepts of the church to be ignorant of those is a mortal sin to not practice. Those is a serious sin. And so tithing, giving to your local parish, joining your local parish and being a part of it is extraordinarily important. Young people stop being stubborn jackasses that float around from parish to parish so you don't ever have to actually go deep and get to know anyone. You don't ever have to actually feel like you need to get involved. Because when I go to a different parish every weekend and I hear, oh, we need volunteers for this. We need help with this. The school's raising money for this. It's impersonal, right? It's like, well, it's like, yeah, who gives a shit? Not me, because I'm going to Holy Name next week. And the week after that, I'm going to All Souls. And the week after that, I'm going to Lord's. And the week after that, I'm going to St. Mary's. So I just kind of jump around and I criticize different parishes and I just complain about different people and I pick the times that are most convenient for my life. Stop it. Stop it. I'm telling you, it is one of the worst things. I know I'm convicting somebody's somebody's out there just tight. Somebody's just out there just tight right now. I know it. I can feel it. I can feel it in my soul. Somebody out there just worked up like, damn, Crank, why are you calling me out? Because you need it. You need it. Stop doing that shit. Sign up. Register for a parish today. Register for a parish today. I'm not saying it has to be your local one, the one you're in the boundary of or whatever, but you need to join a parish. Why? Because when I hear at Our Lady of Lords, oh, we're looking, we're raising money for the school or we're raising money for this or that, it hits me because I give money to the school and I give money to the parish and I volunteer as a lector and as a Eucharistic minister and with youth group and I coach basketball there And I do these different things because I want to be a part of my parish because it's what God calls us to do. We have the parish for us, for our spiritual success. It's what we're called to do, to be a part of a community and to go deep and to build up that community. I'm not just called to do the the cool stuff, right? To go in and speak on stage and to uh, podcast, right? And to interact with people on social media. That's not enough. I I mean, I, I tell you what. That's another thing that drives me nuts is people who think they're like too big to do this stuff. I want to be the person who's cleaning the windows before Advent. I want to be the person who's 
on my hands and knees scrubbing the grout uh, around the altar so that it's clean before Easter. We should all want to do these things. We should want to be a part of our parish. And especially for you people who are not doing any of this other shit, where you're not evangelizing on a regular basis, you're not regularly volunteering for other things, then at least when these kind of sporadic opportunities to volunteer come up, or you hear the parish say, hey, we need a doors to sign up for adoration, or we need people to volunteer to clean, or we need people to volunteer to lecture, or whatever it might be, do it. Do it. You are called to be a part of this too. This is not Catholicism. There's no room for the bystander effect in Catholicism. We should all be eager volunteers. There's no reason why a full parish, I get so mad at Lords with this, with so many young people who show up week after week. And it's like, you want to volunteer? You want to, we need volunteers. We need help with this and that. Ghost town, but donuts or gathering at the grotto. We have free drinks or candlelight mass. It's packed. And it's not just packed because I'm, I'm, I'm cool with the people who are coming and they've been invited by people or whatever and they're new and I haven't seen them before. But these people who have been there longer than I have and then when we need to clean and we need to do some, some shit that's not, not so cute, you're gone? Come on, man. Oh, you can tell it gets me worked up. I'm not about it. I'm not about it. You need to bring your ass to the same parish. You should try to go to one of the same one or two masses each Sunday. Get to know the people you sit around. Be involved. Get to know people. I should not come to Mass with you if I were visiting you this weekend and you take me to your parish and you don't know anybody. I ask you what you do there. You say nothing. You don't tithe there. Sometimes I go to this one. Sometimes I go to that one. Stop it. That's spiritual mediocrity. It's a definition of it when it comes to parish, being a member of a parish. And so you can see there, this is where the, the, the idea of spiritual excellence really exceeds outside of the four signs, Right. So obviously you have to be generous with your time, generous with your money, generous with, generous with your talent and your virtue. But you can see here that, that there's, there's things outside of these four signs that contribute to your spiritual excellence. And this is where I'm even trying to really solidify, and this is not going to be solidified until I really write it out. But what are the other things, right? Joining a parish and being actively involved in that parish is one of them. Um, how you show up to mass, right? How you pray the mass along with the priest, you know, that's part of it. To me, singing along with the Mass is part of spiritual excellence. If you go to a parish that's encouraging you to sing, I don't, if you go to, if you're trad and you go to chant and you're like, oh, personal shirt and sing, then don't sing, then shut, then shut up. But if you do go to a parish, you're going to a Novus Ordo, we are called, like, they, we're doing this in English for us, okay? So even if you have a bad voice, God doesn't care. Singing is, when you sing, you pray twice, St. Augustine said. We're called to sing. We're called to say the responses. We're called to stand and kneel with reverence. We're called to get there a little bit early. We're called to stay a little bit late and pray in Thanksgiving afterwards, right? Um, we're called to, to actually like say the prayers, mean the responses, contemplate the Our Father as we, we recite it together. Um, the way you dress to Mass, I think, is part of spiritual excellence, but we just covered that on Monday. Um, so yeah, so there's a lot of other things that are kind of additional stuff, right, that you have to think about. And I know you're thinking, man, this is a lot compared to being a, non-denom where all I have to do is get baptized and then I can just be mediocre. You're right. It is. And it's also better. So that's that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes, you're right. Playing major league baseball is more intensive and time consuming than, um, and, and takes a lot more effort than, uh, playing, you know, pick up baseball in, in, in your college dorm parking lot. But guess what? You make a lot more money and you receive a lot more when you do a lot more as well. Okay. And so, this is what God calls us to. God is calling you to be a Catholic saint. He's not calling you to be a Christian that interprets what spiritual excellence looks like for you, which is what non-denominational Christianity largely is. Is you just thinking about for yourself or you picking some pastor to think for you that's just deciding his interpretation of Scripture and going based on that and basing your entire spiritual life off this guy's opinion. That's not what you're called to do. You're called to be a Catholic, to fall under the authority of the Catholic Church, and in that submission to the authority of the Catholic Church, you have a plethora of richness, of resources, of saints, of w centuries of wisdom that you can turn to and we can study and we can learn and we can try to emulate these people in our lives. And when we do that, that's when and we apply it to our, our modern day situation, that's when we will be saints in our day. That's when we're going to really live out spiritual excellence. So last, let's close down here with evangelization. So um, you're supposed to evangelize to both strangers and loved ones. One thing that I think is really important in this, going back to kind of the words and example thing, 
is that we are called to do both. And I think that they're kind of a spectrum, right? Where you might be 50-50, words an example, you might be 90-10. But it's never called to be 100 and zero. You have people, you have to know which side you err on. Some of pe- some people out there are like, I'm going to be an asshole, but I know all the apologetics I could possibly think of. I can explain anything that I believe in the faith. It's like, yeah, but you suck, dude. Like, you're not fun to be around. You're miserable. You're rude to people. You're, you're devoid of joy and life and peace and grace. And so nobody wants to be like you. And so even though you know all this stuff that's useful and good, you suck. And so... If you if that's you, then you should suck less. That's number one. And then number two is the people on the other side who want to err on the side of being all example. Where it's like, yeah, I don't want to ever say anything. I don't want to offend anyone. But I just try to live my life in a way that... And you see this, the, the most common person, the most common, like the prototype, the stereotype that lives in the, the example side is like a mom that says this stuff and has kids that don't practice the faith. Uh, and I'm not saying that moms are going to be like the apologetics gurus and like change their kids or their family members at all. But they're often the ones who end up having like kids and people who don't practice the faith because it's always like, I'm not going to push anything on them. I'm not going to push anything on anybody. And it's like, hey, just like sharing why we believe what we believe and talking about that sometimes is not pushing it. Right. I can have the discussion and debate. And it's like, son, when you're 20, you can do whatever the hell you want because you're 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 somewhat grown. Right. Um, obviously if you're in our house, it's going to be different, but if you're out, you just move out and you're working, I'm not paying for you to go to college or whatever. And you're just living your life at 20, bro, do what you will. That doesn't mean I can't talk to you about faith and explain to you why we believe what we believe. Now, hopefully I've already done that by the time you're 20, but if I haven't, then maybe I still should when you're 18, 19 years old. But so often you see these parents who are just accepting like, Oh, my kid. Well, at least they still kind of go to this one church. Uh, they're dating this Methodist girl and they start going to Methodist church, but at least they're still practicing the faith. No, incorrect. They are not in a good spot if they have fallen away from the Catholic faith willingly and knowingly. The best you could hope for is a a pleading of ignorance, but you can't leave. And I did a whole episode on this before, so I'm not going to go into why, but you can't just leave the Catholic faith. That's a bad thing. And it should not be treated as like, oh, well, at least they're only one foot in hell. Like, no, it is bad. If your kid has fallen away from the Catholic faith and they're an adult, it is a bad thing. There is no, there is nothing. At least I got married by a deacon. No, there is nothing that redeems that other than them returning home and repenting. That's just the truth. But going back to this, words and example, I think strangers and loved ones, this is where I think it really uh, should shift where you are on that scale. When it comes to your close friends and family, especially old friends and family members, your example is going to be like 90% of it. 10% will be words. You have to be almost all example. You have to change the way you live. That has to be noticeable to them. You have to be trying your best to live that, that authentic Christian lifestyle. And then maybe 10%, they might finally ask you, what's different about you? Why are you doing this? What do you think about this? It could be when your kid gets baptized or why you're choosing to do something at your wedding, whatever. But with strangers, it's the opposite. I think it's like 90% words, 10% uh, example. So I've, I've done whole episodes of conversations I've had with strangers on airplanes and other places. Um, and a lot of times you get straight into it, right? Cause it's like, you don't know them. They don't know you. And they are asking you about something and you can kind of get straight into like apologetics with them. Um, understand that evangelization can take various forms. It could be as simple as sending people a podcast, sending people great things like the seeking excellence podcast. Um, it could be, uh, giving people Catholic books to read, sending people books via Amazon, just mailing it to them. Um, there's inviting people to mass, right? It doesn't always have to be apologetics to be evangelization. If you're facilitating and helping people grow closer to God, that's evangelization. You're leading people closer to God. I always say evangelization is leadership because you're leading people closer to God. Evangelization demands discernment. So this is reliant upon evangelization is really interesting because it's reliant upon the other three signs. So if you're not praying, you're not going to be discerning and you're going to be a bad evangelist because you're not going to know, God, are you calling me to speak right now or are you calling me to shut the hell up? Number two, you're not going to be able to give any apologetics if you're not studying the faith. If you don't know anything, then you can't teach it. Number three, generosity. If you're not generous with your virtue, if not generous with your time, because a lot of times these conversations and things come up late at night or just any kind of general time where it's inconvenient, 
to start like getting into it with somebody. Um, and if you're not generous, you're not going to do it. And you have to be generous with your courage as well, because it requires a lot of courage to, um, to do this. And so I want to close here, uh, this part at least with a quote from St. Ignatius of Loyola. It's a prayer. So let's, let's close in this little prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Oh my God, teach me to be generous, to serve you as you deserve to be served, to give without counting the cost, to fight without fear of being wounded, to work without seeking rest, and to spend myself without expecting any reward but the knowledge that I am doing your holy will. Amen. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, my friends. This is great. I, I had a good time. I hope you did as well. This is a good one to, to share with somebody else. This is a good one to share with your spouse or a friend or accountability partner that you want to go deeper with and you want to help kind of figure out what does excellence look like in your life. So I encourage you to think about what are going to be your minimums. You know, for me, it was always going to mass every Sunday. I'm trying to get back to making a minimum, going to daily mass once a week, trying to get to uh, you know, I go to confession pretty much every two to three weeks as it is, but that's a big thing for me. That's kind of in my realm of spiritual excellence. I think excellence is at least once a month, right? It, I, your minimum is obviously once a year. You should be going at least once a month. That's pretty much always the recommended amount from Catholic priests and, and kind of leaders is to go at least once a month. I think when you're really trying to rid yourself of, of sin or you just you have more time or confession becomes more important to you, then two to three weeks can be a great period of time as well. Emily and I both try to do that. And we try to do that together where we can. Um, so think about these different areas, right? Like what are going to be your minimums? What are, what's the number of Catholic books you want to read this year? What areas of Catholicism do you want to grow in? You know, like I'm really trying to learn more about the early church, but do you want to know more about what the church teaches on abortion or what the church teaches on why we believe in the Eucharist, why we believe we have to go to confession, why we believe all this stuff? Catholic Answers can be a great resource for that. Um, there's plenty of awesome books out there. Hit me up if you want to know some of those. Um, and I'm going to start putting some of those in our Locals channel. So last plug for Locals, seekingexcellence.locals.com. I'm going to be putting resources, videos that I love, videos that I mentioned on the podcast, recommended resources for you to listen to, for you to read, blogs, um, things like that. We're going to be talking about it. We're going to be going deeper and deeper into these topics on there. So again, you can join Locals, our Locals page for free. If you have it in you, or if you've been considering, or you want to, or if you're just really fired up about Seeking Excellence and you're like, I want to be a part of it. I want to help it get out there. I want to help it reach more people. This is how you can do it. You can become a supporter for $10 a month, um, or you can give a one-time gift if you'd like. And uh, it would be a huge blessing for us and, and would help us to, again, we're trying to cover the cost of the monthly costs and yearly costs that it costs to run the podcast things like keeping the website, things like keeping um, the, the platform that I use for recording. I need a little bit more uh, new equipment, which I like to have so I can record more in-person podcasts. We're trying to get a great camera this year so we can be more present on YouTube, get better quality microphones and continue to expand the number of microphones that we have um, and all of that. And so doing that would be super, super helpful if you can help us to do that. And then lastly, I want to start to pay the people who are going to help with Seeking Excellence. So we have people who help us with social media, uh, my, my friend Henry, who records the podcast, he's got a wife and kids. He's a Catholic school teacher, and we're trying to support them. I'm not, I'm not about this socialistic shit where I ask people to do stuff for free for a long period of time. I've been doing it for too long. And so I'm asking you all if you benefit and you help, uh, uh, you know, Seeking Excellence has been a help in your life. It obviously takes a lot of time and effort and energy on my part. And so what I'm asking, the only thing I'm asking from you, if you think this is valuable enough that you hope to see us continue to do this far into the future, that you can you, you consider prayerfully to, to contribute um, on our on our locals page so we can do those things. Thank you for all your work. Thank you for those who have already joined the page. And thank you for those who uh, have already contributed. You guys are the best. You guys are helping to make this happen. And we're going to grow and see a lot of great things happen this year um, and continue to break records on number of plays per month and uh, hopefully hit 200K this year. That'd be super fun if we got 100,000 uh, plays just this year alone. So um, I'm super hopeful and grateful that we're already at 102,000 all-times plays. I can't believe you crazy people have listened to me talk for that long and that much. But uh, I hope that it continues to help you to, you know, create new goals so that you can fulfill your potential in your life. Because that's what I really want for each and every one of us, for us to just see what we're capable of. Because if you haven't 
seeing what your life, your quality of life can be like when you're intentional, when you're taking ownership and when you're getting after it and you're just close to the Lord and you're letting God influence the way that you affect, you you live in every area and all these different pillars of your life. I hope that you'll give it a shot this year. I hope that you'll really commit to it and make it a part of your, your daily life um, because you'll never know how great your life could be until you really try to give it your all. And so let's continue to fight hard, continue to strive to be your best, and may God bless you.